deep contentment, joy, and confidence in my everyday life with God. And by the way, I just said that. I didn't read it like I have it memorized. There is no reason for you to out me on reading it when I first started. Come on. Distorted thinking patterns where people are believing the wrong things and living out of that. I can't read stuff anymore. (laughs) Oh my God. Who came up with the idea of putting small print instructions on everything? Everything. You're much more kind than I am because (laughs) when I'm mad at you, I'm like, God, why is this woman in my life? (laughs) Wow. We want to get to a place where we have that conviction, where we've moved from, what have you done for me lately, God, to, I trust you, you are real, this is real, and I will well, good morning. Hello. And welcome. Yay. We're back. Well, yes, <laughs> finally. Welcome, everyone. You know, some things just don't go to plan. Well, that's so true. Right. <laughs> and so it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a podcast come out, and that's okay. Right. We're learning to sort of go with it. I think we've had a lot of life happen. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not every day that you send your son off. As a missionary. Right. And so that was a big deal. And uh, I know some of you heard part of his story during one of our podcasts previously. So we appreciate those of you who are praying for him. And you know, I am sitting here looking straight across and see the heart of a mom who loves what her son is doing. I'm so, I'm so happy and so proud. At the same time, I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. And so I have things that I've had to keep in check, some emotions, a lot of benevolent detachment over the, the last week. Yeah. And yet at the same time, we're so celebrating. Oh my goodness. What? God has called him up and into, and so excited for this new step, which is, this is his life. This is where he's headed. This is where he's going. And like Caleb, Mm. standing on the edge of the promised land, I look out there and I see, it's amazing. It is good. Of course, let's go. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Yes. I never want to be those other 10. No. Who stood around and said, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. We can't do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am 100% Caleb behind my son. Yes, which is amazing. And of course, I am as well. Just it's been a new challenge for me as a mom. Yeah, it's a mom. It's a hard thing, <laughs> it's right? A, it's a very hard thing. Being a mom is such a hard thing. Oh, gosh. And to the other moms out there listening, I understand you. I get you. I yes. am right here with you. And, and to the other dads out there. <laughs> I get you. I'm shaking my head. No, I, I mean no judgment. None at all. It is it is a a new phase of having adult children right. moving into their life and I could not be more happy. Right. I, I agree. And it's been amazing to watch God work. I think that's what has been so encouraging. Mm-hmm. So building up my faith and trust in God is watching him prepare the way for our son mm-hmm. and provide all of the support he needs to step into this new place. In ways that we could never. Never. Right? <laughs> I know. It's just been, it's been very good mm-hmm. and exciting in all the feels. So this, yes. is, this has been our life. You know, thinking about all this makes me want to take a trip down memory lane this morning just a little bit. Okay, Uh, where are we going? Well, because I think I do want to talk about 
that sometimes life has hard things that are a part of it. Yeah. And uh, I remember back when we chose to move to Montana, neighbors calling us crazy. Mm. I think family was optimistic and yet at the same time, probably a little bit concerned, thinking, mm. what, what are, are they do- doing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember hard questions like, what kind of education are they going to get? Right, because we were both teaching in private Christian school. Right. We had everything that most people would look at and say, oh, the American dream. These guys are realizing the American dream. The perfect life, if that's a thing. And if by that you meant a lot of debt, yes. (laughs) We were experiencing <laughs> the American dream. Oh, the American debt. That right. was, that's so true. Uh, Yuck. But it was in the midst of that that we just sent God saying, hey, I've got something different for you. Yeah, it was almost this this drawing, this this wooing, this calling out, this, I can't hardly put words to it, except it was a, a gnawing in the depths of my soul that I wasn't living the life that God had called me to live. Yeah, try to explain that to yeah, friends and family. I, it's very hard. I mean, you I can't. know, no. And, and people were, well, they were just well, upset. Some people like, why would you leave? And I think that I think so. I think yeah. you know, legit upset, legit concern. Right. I think some people were hurt, felt rejected because yeah. we were choosing a life that didn't necessarily include being near them. Right. Aligning that, with maybe what they had hoped for us. Right. And that's hard, but in the end, you know, it's been wonderful. And yeah. yes, the journey was filled with a lot of hard stuff when we got to Montana. I mean, there were, were beautiful things. Oh, yeah. The day we left, I remember we were packing up. I threw <laughs> away a hat. <laughs> that was the most disgusting baseball hat I've ever seen it in my life. It was so soaked with sweat. I think it was 105 degrees. <laughs> and of course, I'm loading things in the back end of a U-Haul truck. And so uh, what was that? 157 degrees in there? It was Mordor. It was Mordor. 100% Mordor. And it was so soaked with sweat, I had to throw it away. But then we pull into Montana, uh, and it was like a beautiful 70 degrees. No humidity. Oh, my gosh. It was like, I can do this. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. Yeah. Well, the house we moved into, wonderful, amazing uh, house. Loved every bit about it. But when we moved it. into it, it hadn't been lived in in several months. months and right. So the the... Everything was grown up. Uh, it had, uh, I guess, become a home for small, tiny rodent friends. Ugh, not Mickey Mouse. No. <laughs> I remember uh, the night we were sitting on the couch and you just saw the mice just run from one place to another. And it's like... They were just going everywhere, darting. How do we deal with this? It was freaking me out. Yeah. I jumped up on the couch screaming, ah! You know, it was horrible. And I am so thankful for people that God puts in our life <laughs> who said, you need a cat. You're living in a farmhouse out here and you need a cat. And or they lots of cats. <laughs> yes. So we did. We got three kittens. Yes. Plus a, mouse a professional cat. She was the stuff. She was. <laughs> it was, I mean, it didn't take a week and we no longer saw any mice. And this cat did not live in our house. No. Lived outside, all of that kind of stuff. In the barn, yeah. And man, it was incredible. 
that it was never a problem again. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I do remember those days. <laughs> I, my favorite. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. A couple of memories. <laughs> One is the first day of school. Oh wow. You were going to take me because I was teaching business, computer classes, that sort of thing, and you were taking me to drop me off because you were going to stay home with Brody mm-hmm. and. And take you and our older sons, yeah. Right. So you were taking us to school, drops off. We only had the one van. Yeah, one car. I mean, so silly. We moved to Montana. We have one vehicle, (laughs) a non-four-wheel drive drive. Toyota Sienna van. That thing made history. (laughs) It was amazing. We lived. We had some good friends who also took pity on us. And Yes. You know, one good friend gave us a cat. And the other said, there's a hill on your driveway. (laughs) You're not going to get up out of it. You need studded snow tires, to which our youngest son, Brody, called them studly snow tires. (laughs) I love that so much. These things helped us tremendously. God said, really. So first day of school, you're there, you're dropping us off. And you notice in the floorboard on the passenger side where I'm sitting, these little bits of white paper. Yeah. And you're like, what in the world's going on? I said, uh-oh, I think something may have gotten into our <laughs> glove box. So I opened the glove box and right there, this mouse is sitting there. And we're right in front of the school. Oh you're dropping me off. Gosh. People don't know who I am for anything. And you fling open your door. Oh, man. And you were halfway across the parking lot before I finally got you to stop running. (laughs) I was not having any of that. No. No. And he jumped out of that glove box and went to hide somewhere else in the car. Right. And I didn't want to drive the car back. I was like, no, I am not getting back in that car till it is out. But you did. I had to. (laughs) You had to face the hard thing, right? I did. I did. And you went back home. And uh, we learned how to deal with that, keep mice out of our car. Right. Uh, In fact, I think for like the next five years, we just had a mousetrap constantly in our car. Baited with peanut butter. (laughs) And we caught lots of mice. (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully, you were pretty cool with taking those traps out and dealing with all of that. Oh, man. It, It really worked. But yeah, that was not something we expected. No. I mean, how would you? (laughs) No. We're on the brochure for Montana says, move into a farmhouse, enjoy the mice. (laughs) I would have said, no, thank you very much. I'm happy where I am. Well, yeah, you grew up pretty city girl. Well, I was, and I was used to the bug guy coming or pest control, however you would say it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to do those sorts of things. Right. All of a sudden, now we're building this new life and we're responsible. Oh, man. For every bit of it. It was not an easy learning curve. No, I think that story just is sort of illustrative. How about I say it this way? Okay. That story (laughs) illustrates kind of what it is when we're going through, we're following God, and all of a sudden, He is calling us to grow through something that's challenging and difficult because it's producing a better life, a better mentality than what we could produce if everything was easy. Yeah. And I noticed that there are a lot of those things, there were no shortcuts. No. It it was a it was a growing by trial by fire in some ways that when we would go through the hard things, that was when our faith was tested and that was when we would grow. And mm-hmm. 
I know for me, one of the the hardest things in that transition was I had prayed and prayed that our house in Arkansas would sell. Mm-hmm. And I had every confidence in God that He was going to do that. And He chose a different direction. Right. Here we were, right. moving to Montana, following His call in our life. We have this house to sell. Of course it's going to sell. Yeah. It's a beautiful house. Beautiful. I, on a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Wooded area nearby with walking trails and a lake to that you ran yeah, around ran all around, the time. Had just babied all of the the plants and the elephant ears and the hydrangeas and all of the things around, making it just beautiful. From mm-hmm. the curb appeal was happening. It was amazing. Yeah, anybody would love to have this house, and we couldn't sell it. <sighs> What we didn't realize was this recession thing was going on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so people might have been interested, but they couldn't sell their other house to buy our house. And so there were just a lot of factors going on. Right. And it's amazing the way God took care of us through that. That's true. It was something we desperately wanted to unload. I mean, no one wants to have to be paying for a house where you're living and also paying for the house that you moved out of. Nobody wants that. That's a lot of house money yeah that's all tied up and i think god used that to teach us a lot of lessons yes he also enabled us to be a blessing to a friend who needed a place to stay oh that was so good and she was able to rent from us when she was going through a really difficult moment yeah we weren't even looking toward that and all of a sudden we had another friend who said hey can you talk and visit with this person i think she could really use your help and yeah Maybe you're not in, meant to sell your house right now. Maybe you're meant to use it as a blessing for her. Dang. And that was really good. It was an, it was an answer to prayer, just a different way. Yes. And I had to learn in that that God is working something bigger. Mm-hmm. He is about blessing more than just myself and just yes. us, but others. And he took what was something that I was freaking out about. How are we going to pay? How yeah. are we going to do? We would have called it a disaster, oh, really. absolutely. And I, I just recognize now, as we look back in hindsight, I can see 2020, how he did use that as a blessing to this other family. And I'm now I rejoice. And and I say, thank you, God, that your ways are higher, your ways are better. Mm-hmm. And where I would have prayed for a short, simple, just send me a buyer and I'm done. He chose a different way to use the, what we had to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty with that didn't stop there. I mean, she was there for three years. Right. We had two more years that we owned that house and didn't sell it. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, we finally did. Yay. And what a blessing that was. And I think it taught us to appreciate our decisions, how we make them, what we value. All of those things grew in us because we had to go through that. Yeah. We probably would not have the same attitudes about what we need. What are our wants? What are our desires? All of that kind of stuff. If we hadn't gone through that, it was very hard. Yeah. And God did not deliver us or rescue us from it. He rescued us through it. Yeah. And what we thought we were asking him to rescue us from was this house. Yeah. Or that debt or whatever we would have called it. Yeah. And instead, I think what God rescued us from was our materialism. Dang. Yeah, you had to use that M word. I did. <laughs> I agree. And and 
honestly, if I am being just completely honest, and I said honestly and honest, yes. So you get the idea. I'm trying to go for the yeah, truth. Are here. you trying to tell the truth or not? <laughs> I mean, are you hiding, covering stuff up? No, tr- no hiding. It's to- total straight truth here. I had a real struggle with materialism and thought, wanted, maybe was duped into believing that by having a house, having this thing, that then my life would be perfect. Then I would have what I was seeking. I would I would be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is it's just a house. It wasn't going to meet the deepest needs of my soul. No. Only God can do that. Mm-hmm. And I was, you're right, I was delivered. I, I almost became, oh, I just, I never thought I'd ever want to own another house through it. Like, I, right. I just, I'm so done with being in that kind of situation. I never want, it was just this awful taste in my mouth of, I don't ever want to be in this position again. I never want to let my, whatever that is, materialistic desires get me into this position Mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever again. And so what we're saying is, it's through the hard thing that we learn that lesson, that our values changed, our ideals changed, our view of what life should be changed. But it was only going through the hard thing. Wow. And I think we miss that somewhere in the culture that we live in, especially living here in the United States, we are super blessed. We have so much more than most people have around the world. And I think I like how Pete Scazzaro, uh, we've talked about him before. He uh, has written a series of books on being emotionally healthy. And one of the things that he talks about is that we have developed in the United States this cultural view of Jesus, that what he calls the Americanized Jesus, where God is this God of blessing, God is this God of good. And those things are certainly true, but somewhere in there, we miss that Jesus was the suffering servant, that he was cruelly treated. He was betrayed by his friends. He was beaten. He was crucified for us. And that even throughout all of Scripture, the Old Testament, as the history of Israel was being written, and prophecies of the coming Messiah were being made, it was that he would suffer, that it was by his stripes that we would be healed. All of these things. Why we miss that as believers, I don't know. Because it's not like the Bible doesn't tell us that this is where we're headed. Paul, over and over again, in his writing says, I want to share in all the blessings of being a child of God, including being able to suffer as he suffered. It's like, whoa, wait a minute here. I want to memorize most of that verse, but I kind of want to leave that last phrase out. Yeah, can we just skip that suffering part? (laughs) Yeah, and even his disciples, after Jesus was raised from the dead and went ascended into heaven, there's a story in the book of Acts where some of them are taken into custody, arrested, whatever, and they the the Jewish leaders meet together and they decide they're going to let them live, but they're going to beat them first. And so they bring them around and they they literally have them whipped Dang. because they don't like what they're teaching. And you would think, man, you're going to walk home pretty defeated after something like that. No, <laughs> they got back with all the rest of the believers and they were like throwing a party. They were so excited that they were able <laughs> to be beaten for the sake of Christ, to suffer the way that he did. That attitude is kind of missing in our culture. 
Very much. And it brings tears to my eyes as you say this, because I'm like, wow, this is a heart check. This is a real time to say, am I only blessed when things are going good and well and happy and Mm -hmm. positive? Mm -hmm. Or can I see that even in the hard times that I'm blessed? Mm. That that there is something to be thankful for. There's a deeper work that God is doing in me that I can rejoice in, and I can rejoice in my sufferings, that I my character is being developed through that, that I'm able to suffer in a way that aligns me more with Jesus. Mm. That's such a beautiful idea and so hard for us to even want to lay hold of. Yeah, it doesn't go with our, it's very countercultural. It doesn't go line up with the health and wealth of, of a lot of our culture of the way that, oh, if you, you know, believe you're blessed and all that kind of thing that we sometimes say. And I'm glad we're calling this out today. I'm glad we're talking about it because I, I want God to do a deeper work in my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just be a person of faith when things are going good or positive Mm -hmm. or happy. I want to be following after God with my whole heart, even when things are hard. Yeah. And I think even as the church, Mm. we've sort of laid hold of this. Some of it isn't that we don't go through hard things. It's just not what we post on Instagram. Everybody gets the view of our best days that when we go skiing we don't show the wipeouts when we (laughs) when we are going through good and bad days what hits instagram are the good days all the best experiences and so what we've done is perpetuated this idea that i am living this somehow charmed life that there's nothing bad going on and that idea sinks in to most of us when we are going through a bad day That we look at everybody else and say, man, I must be a really horrible person. Yeah, like what's wrong with me? What is wrong with (laughs) me? Because my life doesn't look like that. Right. Well, here's the answer. Neither does theirs. I like that. That's very helpful. <laughs> and it's it's comforting too. And I'm glad we're naming this because I, I wanna I wanna lean into this. I wanna lean into aligning myself more with the sovereignty of God and what deeper work he is doing in mm-hmm. my life. I had this almost epiphany moment last week saying goodbye to my son and some of that and and just praying through that. And I, I was very convicted. And that my prayers were more about trying to control God mm. rather than aligning with Him. Wow. Ouch. If, <laughs> if I could pick up this mic and drop it and it wouldn't like completely <laughs> blow everybody's ears out, I think I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was hard. I mean, I had a lot of tears and you can hear in my voice just the emotion because I had this realization as I was praying, God, let him be safe. God, you know, and I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop it. What are you doing? Yeah. And I had to confess and I had to re- repent and, and recognize that actually my prayers were trying to control God rather than align with his purposes for my son and for our family. Yeah. And even taking that further, I was journaling and and I wrote out the words, God, I would make him safe, but you would make him fierce. And what I realized is that in my prayers for his safety, which I am still saying, (laughs) by the way, I am still praying those things. Yes. But I don't want my heart to stand in the way of how God would develop my son, how he would grow him, how he would make him stronger. 
oh my goodness, that's ridiculous to think <laughs> that we yeah. would get in the way of him becoming better, yeah. of him growing, maturing, and becoming everything that he needs to be so that he can have the most incredible life ever. I hope his life is better than mine. Yes, me too. I, I want that for him. I want that for everyone. Yes. Actually. And I, I just name these things because you're right. We would make everyone safe. We mm -hmm. would make it easy. But then if we're really honest, if I'm honest with myself, even some of the times I look back on just like this move dealing with the mice, all the things we talked about that were hard. And the snakes. Oh, we didn't even talk about the snakes. Oh, yeah. That like. Oh, my gosh. I said everything was grown up. First time I mowed 14 snakes, I ran off of the property as I was mowing. And then. Well, you didn't even talk about the snake that was in the house that I had to deal with. Right. That was freaky. So just on a side pass, I had laid our youngest son Brody down for a nap and I had quilts that I kind of made him a little pallet in the floor and he was sleeping. And I remember walking kind of across into the kitchen and I just out of my, the side view, I saw something on the floor and I thought, oh, it's probably a lightsaber. We, we love Star Wars. So our boys had <laughs> tons of lightsabers. And, and I, I thought, oh, it's a lightsaber. And then it moved. I am so laughing deep inside. <laughs> picturing your reaction to this at this moment oh and everyone gosh. who just heard me say that thinks what a cruel man <laughs> well so you're it's because it wasn't a poisonous snake no, it was a garter snake. snake but i didn't know which later i taught all our boys to pick them up right play with them that, carry them out that came the much later this yes. was not that this was a oh my gosh i come from the south and any snake is a poisonous snake <laughs> right <laughs> so this was a threat to my son i don't like snakes but that thing was not going to get my baby and right. i went into full-blown mama bear mode and yes. i remember calling you at some point yeah like, it, it, <laughs> to which i could only respond you have the only vehicle what do you want me to do <laughs> from here you're at the school working yeah so i ended up getting a broom op opening the kitchen door to go outside and just sort of like hurting the thing and it just went right out and it was just like i was a snake charmer or something and yeah. i was so proud of myself that i did it i had the courage to run that thing out of my house that yeah. was not gonna hurt my baby exactly and if we don't embrace the difficulty of moments like that <laughs> Then we will spend our entire life running away. Oh, yeah. And never growing and never becoming more than we are today. So in difficult situations, you find yourself. I don't know that you have a mouse in the car or a snake in the house. But, where but it sure feels like it. <laughs> Yeah, and where do you need to pick up the broom? And by the way, we're laughing now. We are. I was not laughing then. Right. I, well, actually, I was very freaked out. I felt ill prepared. I felt like w I, somebody else, please rescue me. Yeah, I want to run away. If if some if I could have called somebody in that moment and said do it for me, I would have. Mm. I wouldn't have been the one to step up and engage because I felt I didn't have the training. I've never messed with snakes. I've never messed with mice. I, mm -hmm. I just felt so ill-prepared. But it was in those situations that God gave me courage, and I was able to pick up the broom and run that snake out of my 
my house. So what is your snake or mouse situation that you might be facing right now? Something that's hard that you wish you could call somebody else to take care of for you. Or even ask God, just God, take this away from me. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And instead of that attitude, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to say, God, you've put me in this situation for a reason, to grow me, to strengthen my faith, to develop my character. Help me. I don't have to like this situation. (laughs) No. But I can grow through Through it. it. Right. As you're talking about all this, it reminds me from C.S. Lewis in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when the children were called into Narnia. Peter's first trip in, and he's being told by Aslan, you're going to be a king of Narnia. And Aslan's gift to him through Father Christmas was a sword. And the wolves come, and Peter has his sword. And there are other warriors, people who were well-trained, who had fought many battles, ready to jump in and rescue Peter. And Aslan says, no, he must do this himself. And it's through fighting that wolf, taking his sword, and doing something. And that wolf was ferocious. Very fierce. He was well-trained, and Peter defeated him. That was his initiation into everything that he needed to be for the kingdom of Narnia. Where are you today? Are you standing right here on the threshold of the life that you're hoping for? but there is an initiation standing in front of you. Maybe something that's hard, something you've never done before, something that you feel ill-prepared, ill-equipped to handle. And you're having all the feels, all the anxiety, all of the depression, Mm. all of the grief, all of the worry. Yeah, it's real. And those are the things that I want to encourage you to lean into your faith, lean into God's work in your life, that He is using these things to strengthen you, to grow you, to develop your character. Right. So the anxiety and the depression and the grief and the worry and all of those things are signs that are pointing you back toward the one who is leading you through these things, not around them. Mm-mm. Not over the top of them, but through them for your good. A favorite passage of scripture for a lot of people is in Romans chapter 8. And unfortunately, we take it out of context a lot. That is Romans 8 28, where we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Well, if we throw that around and just say, okay, Every bad thing that happens to you, well, God's going to use it for good, takes it out of the context in which this was really given. Paul, in the whole book of Romans, is telling people what the good news of the gospel is really all about. He's telling them about how we have been delivered from sin completely, from the penalty of sin because Jesus paid the price, from the power of sin and its ability to sort of enslave us and keep us coming back over and over and over again. We've been delivered from all of these things. So by the time he gets to chapter 8, he's been talking about this struggle that we have between doing the right thing, doing the wrong thing. And he tells us when we are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation over us. In other words, Jesus's forgiveness is complete. And so Paul is excitedly telling everyone about what we get when we truly know Christ as our Savior. 
that we are brought into his kingdom. We are sons of God, daughters of God, heirs to his kingdom alongside Jesus. In other words, he's the son of God. We are his brothers and sisters. We've been adopted into God's family. And with that, as an heir, we get this amazing inheritance called the kingdom of God. But as Paul was writing this, right before we get to Romans 8.28, and he says, if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And then he goes on to talk about how because of sin, the entire world has changed. And in that, there are times we don't even know how to pray because we're hurting and we're crying out to God. And thankfully, he has given us the Holy Spirit that, according to Paul, prays on our behalf, interprets the groanings of our heart. That sounds like going through difficult times, doesn't it? Man, yeah. It interprets the groanings of our heart so that God hears the depths of our emotion, the depths of our difficulty. And it is in the middle of that where Paul says, the hope we have is that God can use all of these things as we share in the sufferings of Christ, that all of these things are for our good. They develop us and make us into who God needs us to be. What we're growing through today will help us face the difficulties of tomorrow. And tomorrow's difficulties will help us face the difficulties of 10 years from now. But it is this process that God takes us through, going through the hard things that enable us to grow, to mature, to be stronger in our decision-making, in our ability to stand up for what's right, in holding to our values, to make us stronger In our grief, in everything, God wants to equip us so that we are experiencing this vibrant and sustainable life in Christ. That's what Romans 8.28 is all about. And that makes it so much better than just a band-aid we throw at people when they're going through something hard. Wow. And that verse or that chapter goes on to talk about, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And I love that because he talks about all the highs and the lows, trouble, calamity, hungry, persecuted, destitute, danger, threatened with death, all these things. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us Mm. and that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. That's such an amazing truth. So camping out in Romans 8 would be part of the prescription, we would say. Yeah, and... In order to camp there, you need to hike through Romans 1 through 7 <laughs> Good so point. that you can set up camp in 8 and really understand the context. Yeah, the of richness it. of it, the mm-hmm. depth of it, what Paul is actually saying mm-hmm. that we don't, I love how you said that we don't just pull it out and put it as a band aid on different people's wounds because sometimes it just doesn't sit well. It doesn't feel right. And people walk away even more hurt because they feel like they weren't listened to or understood or Mm -hmm. that someone's not sharing with their sufferings, that they're doing this alone and overwhelmed. And this is just a great reminder. And so maybe the book of Romans is exactly what you need this week to listen and to read and to let God's word just comfort you no matter what you're going through. That's right. And let's make this commitment together that we're not going to avoid the hard things. Let's be real. 
we probably can't avoid them anyway. But instead of looking for rescue from, instead of looking for someone else to come in and take us away or crying out to God that he would just remove this difficult thing from us, let's allow God to rescue us through the hard things. And as he puts people in our lives, that, that this is why I go to church, because I'm not going to a place. I'm going to a people. We're going through this together. And he puts these people in our lives so that as he's rescuing us through something, they're there to encourage, to give a hand where a hand is needed. Most of the time, one of the biggest things they do is they become the biggest cheerleaders in my life, cheering me on so that as I face whatever it is I'm going through, I'm not alone and I feel stronger because I have people who are right there with me. It's the body of Christ. It's what we're meant to be for one another. And I can't get better on my own in isolation. Mm -mm. I get better in that strong community of believers. And that is so encouraging. Like I said, it's why I go to church. I don't go for the sermons. I don't go for the music. I don't go for whatever that Sunday experience is. All of those things are like icing, frosting on the cake. But I go for the relationships because it is there where we find life, life together, the way we were meant from the very beginning. That is the key to a wholly authentic life that is vibrant and sustainable in Christ.